It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on a Monday, September 21st, as the LA Galaxy get ready for a busy week. Uh, They'll be heading to Real Salt Lake after their loss on Saturday night to the Colorado Rapids, and then they'll wrap it all up with a Sunday game against the Seattle Sounders at Dignity Hill Sports Park. So a lot of things to get to. We're going to recap that Colorado game, tell you what we saw. Kevin and I were both at the, uh, the game so we can give you that first hand perspective uh, and then uh, we'll also have some some news I don't know even breaking news let's just do breaking news at the top Yoni Gonzalez is in the United States no pictures I haven't seen pictures there's no proof of life she sent to me yet uh, but Yoni Gonzalez is in the United States we're going to tell you about his availability coming up here uh, in just a little bit so uh, a lot of stuff to get to some interesting little notes here and there some scheduling stuff as well to help me do it the panda himself Mr. Kevin Baxter how's it going Kev? Hey, welcome to my TED Talk. We're going to talk about Ted Lasso and yeah. Ted Uncle. I was going to say, you and I, now, my my wife got extremely jealous of you. It's the first time it's ever happened, uh, possibly in the history of, uh, of, of the world. Won't be the last. Of the world. The, the first time. I told her that you had all the Ted Lassos, the entire season, all, the, all 10 episodes. On all your lap, yeah, on your laptop, and she was like, "Well, how come you didn't get them?" And I'm like, "Because we need to meter this out because it's going to be a long break without Ted Lasso. You're going to get ten episodes, and then there's going to be a second season. We don't know when that's going to be, so we should all just, you know, buckle down and enjoy them as they come out, metered out as they can. And if you're not watching Ted Lasso, which by all accounts, if you saw any of the NBC sort of shorts that came out about, you know, this American football coach that's going to go coach, you know, in the English Premier League and uh, all these things, then you would think that." It is the stupidest show ever created in the history of uh, of soccer, um, of of television. It had to be stupid because Ted Lasso was playing an idiot. And all that that show is to me, Kevin, uh, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn here. All that show is to me is kind, endearing, funny, and sweet and smart. It is it is so much fun to watch. My wife loves it. It's her probably her favorite show on right now. She reminds me when they come on TV, um, and it's tons of fun. So Apple TV, if you have it, um, but you should be watching Ted Lasso if if you're not watching it because it's just it's good fun. It's fun. That's what it is. Well, let me give you a little bit of background on that since you've mentioned all that stuff. Um, I actually wrote about that. Uh, show when before the first episode and I got to talk to Jason Sudeikis a lot of other people on the show the the idea for that show started uh when the guy who plays coach Jason Sudeikis's assistant coach he was part of an improv improv troupe and they were doing a show at a theater in the in the Netherlands and Jason Sudeikis came over to join the troupe and when they came over they were all soccer haters and as they were in the in Amsterdam and they kind of got into Ajax and the culture around soccer they really got hooked on it. And Jason Sudeikis went out and bought a, this was almost 20 years ago, went out and bought a game console so they could play FIFA. And they would they would have games and tournaments after every show. They'd go into the green room and play soccer. And they, they really got into some of the great EPL teams. Uh, Coach always wanted to be Arsenal. And Jason Sudeikis most of the time would be uh, Manchester United. And they played with classic teams. And they really got into it and came up with the, with the idea of what would happen if an American football coach went to England. And if you think back to when NBC first got the EPL, they did a series of promos with Ted Lasso coming to Tottenham to coach. And then uh, he wound up being a commentator on on NBC uh, Sports doing the soccer stuff. He has a famous bar scene where he's with Ted, uh, um, uh, uh, with Tim Howard. It's really funny. Anyway, that's where all this came from. And it was hysterical, but it was the longest episode of those promos was three minutes. And Jason Sudeikis said when they took the three-minute idea they had and turned it into 300 minutes of scripted television with episodes, they really had to change sort of the direction. It couldn't be all for jokes. It couldn't just be a bunch of one-liners. They had to give Ted Lasso a lot of depth. And and what you said about it, it being kind and caring and, and gentle and nurturing, that's exactly what they wanted it to be. That's exactly what they wanted Ted Lasso to be. Instead of the, the snarky uh, kind of... Uh, doofusy guy he was in the NBC promos they wanted him to be a guy who 
wanted over uh, to wanted to come over to England and, and actually try to make a difference and help these young players develop and do all these things that he would have tried to do as an American football coach in college. And so you really got the show. You got exactly what they wanted you to get out of it. And you've only watched eight episodes. Not only eight. I still have I still have two more to go. And uh, and I wanted to say joining us now on the phone is Ted Lasso. No, we can we make that happen? Is that, that something would be cool? Can, can, be can we pull cool. a string or something? I feel like I feel like this is our chance to shine, Kevin. Uh, I feel like our fandom for the show uh, would carry over uh, really well uh, on this particular form. But no, it's it's great. It's fun. Uh, if you're not watching Ted Lasso, you did there. Okay, so we did about five minutes of, of Ted Lasso. We could we could cover that. And check it off our you list. Want to talk about Ted Uncle now? I I don't think anybody wants wants. I don't think anybody in the history of this world has ever wanted to talk about Ted Uncle. Um, you know, but, he's married to his wife Christina. Is also a, a pro official. She's done two. Uh, MLS games as a um, VAR official, but she's done a lot of women's soccer. She did the Central American and Caribbean games gold medal match in 2014. She's also an attorney in Sarasota, Florida. So, um, uh, so, so may, maybe maybe so, if we wanted to sue Ted Uncle over that red card, maybe we could go to her. I, I was gonna, that's that's something, or or maybe maybe the uh, the LA Galaxy didn't get the best uncle in this particular in this particular case. She they sounds were like a rock uncle star. after the game. Oh, there it was. Okay, good. Effortlessly hum- humorous as always. Um, LA Galaxy play the Colorado Rapids. Uh, there's some big sort of you know talking points in this. Obviously, the two yellow cards to uh, to Julian Araujo. We'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, Efrainia Alvarez for me was a big storyline in this game. If you saw my game recap. I made uh, I made a point to sort of uh, talk about him as well, but ultimately, what you saw in this game, Galaxy lose two nothing. Um, you see a repeat lineup by Guillermo Barrascoloto, who didn't have much choice but to play a repeat lineup with Rolf Felcher out of this game, uh, not on the bench. He picked up a, a minor knock, apparently. Uh, how minor and to what area of his body, nobody really knows. Um, but I was told it's nothing serious, and I think if you're a Galaxy fan, you better have your fingers crossed that Rolf Felcher is available. And I know that's something that people are like no i can't i can't i can't be actively rooting for for rolf uh felcher to come back but i'll say this that if you you don't have rolf felcher back then people gonzalez might be playing right back um and i don't think that's a good fit either so for in my mind uh with julian araujo out uh rolf felcher coming in and, and being that replacement is is the best that you can probably hope for against real salt lake midweek so uh we'll talk a little bit about that but kevin um a bit it wasn't a boring game um, I thought the Galaxy actually created chances. I think Guillermo sort of talked about them not creating that many chances. Um, I think he said, you know, it was different than San Jose where they did create chances, but, you know, they just didn't go in. Um, I feel like they created enough chances here, but the indecision uh, from the LA Galaxy forwards, and I will say, you know, a bad game from Christian Pavone, whether that's two bad games in a row or whether you can attribute that to uh, to a double team um, every time he gets the ball, which is what's been happening. Double team? Oh, more like four guys. <laughs> Sometimes it was you were right um but you know i don't really know how to look at that except to say that christian pavone was not a, you know really an, an active part of this game he tried and there was a lot of direct passes but the, the galaxy didn't have it on uh, on saturday night well a couple of things for the galaxy were very sloppy in their passing and they continued to turn the ball over and a lot of the defenders talked about that it's like you can emergency defend every once in a while but to do it like every time you go down losing the ball and having to rush back an emergency defend you know perry kitchen talked about that it's just just exhausting um and so the galaxy defense uh w- which has been so good remember they were coming off a couple shutouts um they were just exhausted having to rush back and you know the, both the goals sort of came off counterattacks um but the other thing is with pavone yeah he drew a crowd in san jose he drew a bigger crowd with colorado i thought colorado actually had a really good game plan he did not have a shot on goal that's two games now without a shot on goal also, he's gone two games without a goal and an assist, obviously, without a shot on goal. He didn't have a goal. But that's the, his longest streak since he's come to MLS last August, two ga- consecutive games without a goal or an assist. That's incredible when you think about it. But what really has to happen is somebody has to come and take some of the attention away from Pavone. Um, it was Sebastian Legette for a while. He right. was not dangerous against Colorado, and Colorado was was able to, to continue to, to harass Pavone and not worry about anybody else. I don't think anyone else is really worried about uh, Ethan Zubik. He's had a, you know some good games. He's been a good player, but he's not the kind of – if you go into the game and say, who's going to beat us, Pavone or, or Zubek, yeah. of course you're going to put your guys on Pavone. And if Zubek scores and beats you, you tip your hat to him and say, good game. So there has to be somebody else. It was legit for a while, and, and it wasn't in the last two games. Um, and Guillermo talked this morning about how he hopes that Chicharito will be that person. Now, you can say, well, Chicharito's not played well this year. 
yes, that's true. But if you're an opposing team, you need to account for him. I mean, no matter how poorly he's playing, um, it's it's still Chicharito, and, and you, I think, have to account for him defensively. That means maybe one or two of the guys that you got on Pavone, you have to pull off, and that's going to open things up for Pavone a little bit. So, I, you know, Guillermo talked about it uh, in in his press availability today that uh, you know Chicharito may be ready to start. I think he does start in in. Salt Lake just because they have to have someone to take some of the attention off Pavone and open things up a little bit for him. You know, if they do that, they're not expecting Chicharito score necessarily. I think what they're trying to do is uh, give Pavone some space so he can do his stuff. Yeah, and you're talking about as as we mentioned, you know, Julian Araujo is is out for this game, Kevin. We know that. Um, he has been uh, with with Pavone's recent dip in the last two games, and, and whether that's just you know from multiple players guarding him, however you want to look at it. But with Pavone's dip, Julian Araujo has been the most consistent player on this LA Galaxy team in 2020. Um, especially after the restart, he's physically dominating. He's part of you know a lot of the Galaxy's great moves. He was part of the best move the LA Galaxy had in this game. Uh, he intercepted a pass that again, he's his ability to anticipate and be in the right place at the right time um, is is it, it sort of makes you think that there's no way this kid could be 19 years old. It, it just boggles the mind whenever you look at it because he has so many of these in every game where people apparently think they're going to pass by him. Uh, and he very clearly picks these picks these games up, picks those balls off, and is able to turn it into offense. And in about, I think it was the 66th minute, or right around there, um, Pavone did this. Uh, he was, or not Pavone, but uh, Rahu did this. He picked off the ball, and then he was in the offensive zone, and he was moving, and he had drawn players to him, and he had drawn players to the point where uh, you know Efrain Alvarez was open, and this is where the indecision really killed the LA Galaxy. Efrain Alvarez needs to be a shooter. Um, and if he's not going to shoot, then there's really no point of having him out there because I think his passing long passes, he has great vision. Um, probably, you know, MLS level vision uh, in terms of long passes and stuff like that. It's on the everyday buildups. It's on some of the other things that you don't get the quickness that you expect of him or the quickness of thought that you expect from, from Efrain Alvarez. And, he passed up a shop and then tried to, you know, play the ball back to Araujo, who was then offside. And you could see and we could hear in the stadium Araujo, you know, sort of screaming at the air there where and and listen, a lot of the Galaxy players were frustrated. That was a ball that that Efrain Alvarez needed to shoot. Um, but you could see the frustration level on Araujo when that happened. Uh, a couple minutes later, he gets his first yellow card um, and then he gets the the infamous second yellow card. Um I, you know, you can say that you can't link events uh, together, but with the LA Galaxy getting so frustrated and with a best chance that they had in that moment, in that 66th minute, um, and they don't even get a shot on goal off of it, uh, that really that really kicked the Galaxy, you know, down a notch. Everybody was frustrated after that. That was, you could visibly see it on the field. There was frustration. Araujo gets a yellow card, which was probably a perfectly reasonable yellow card to the first Yeah, time. I think the first one was. Yeah, yeah. I don't think, I don't think he's going to argue about it. I'll say this. Kevin, he's now on four yellow cards. Um, so he can be suspended for the next game whenever he gets another yellow card because uh, the second yellow, do I don't think actually counts as a yellow. Otherwise, he'd be suspended for two games. And I don't think he's going to be suspended for two games. I think he's going to have four yellow cards and he's going to have to miss this game against RSL. But he gets a lot of yellow cards. He needs to be a little bit better at picking those up in terms of as a defender, certainly in his position, you're going to pick up a lot of yellow cards. I understand that. But at the same time, you have to be able to space those out and really pick your moments uh, in order to set what you're on the field as much as you possibly can be. But that second yellow card, uh, it was funny. Everybody's sort of talking about it after the game, um, or, or I guess mostly Dan Starris talking about it after the game, is, you know, he said, you know, it, it was, I think Starris took some exception to it, basically because um, Julian Araujo said something. Uh, as everybody explains it, and I think Julian would probably say it as well, is he didn't say anything to the referee, and he didn't say anything to the player, but he certainly said something in the air to be upset. And that was an expletive with the last last word off, okay, um, whenever he got it. And the yellow card that he got there, Kevin, was for grabbing a jersey and for, for getting in a tussle, which it was really a 50-50 tussle. There was not much in that. Um, and so the fact that you're going to call a foul on that, and it's going to go against Rajo. I know Dan Steris took exception to that. You say, you know, you have a guy like Julian Rajo who's out there battling as hard as he is in that game, and you're going to call a foul on him for that, and then you're going to give him a yellow card for screaming at something. So I think the Galaxy were sort of, uh, and, and GBS tried to defend him as well, but the Galaxy were a little, uh, little peeved at the timing on that. 
Um, I, I would I would say that uh, for Julian Araujo, I'm sure that he says that he would make he made a mistake um, and that he screwed up um, and that he will be better next time and he'll learn from that. And everybody said he had to learn, but it was an interesting way to lose a player, especially in sort of you know within the span of three minutes, get one yellow card uh, and then get a second yellow card for I would say. <sighs> I don't think it's earned. I, I just can't. I can't sit there and say that it's earned. And if you ask the players um, if if that would have been called if there were fans in the stadium in terms of, hey, there's noise, right, Kevin? And, you know, uncle can't hear everything. Everybody agreed pretty much that there's no way that gets called if there's fans in the stadium. So this was something you talked about. I remember the NBA refs, right? Didn't you talk about how the NBA refs were preparing to hear more and to let it go because there weren't fans in the stadium? No. That's what uh, FIFA or FIFA, excuse me, MLS actually had some of the referees meet with some European referees from the Bundesliga who had done games. If you remember, uh, Bundesliga came back from COVID in, in May. And so they had had some officials that had done empty stadium games. And so they had them talk to the MLS refs, uh, Uncle, one of them, obviously, and said, now whether Uncle was, I, I don't remember whether Uncle was in the bubble because you had to be asked to go into the bubble and then you had to, you know, some people didn't want to go in for family reasons or, what, or whatever else. And I know Ted Uncle has a young child, so maybe he didn't go. But the referees that did go, they were talked to and said, look, you're going to hear things that you don't hear before. You're going to hear players talking. And it doesn't mean they're talking about you. Sometimes they're screaming to each other, which is in the case of, of uh, uh, in this instance, that's exactly what happened. That Araujo from what the player said, was screaming at the air. Yes, it was a profanity, and yes, it was something where he was upset with himself and Uncle misunderstood it and thought that he was still upset about the call. Remember, there were like a couple minutes between the, the first yellow and the second yellow. So um, to, to believe that this 18-year-old kid is going to start following the referee around, screaming at him in a one-goal game you know, with 15 minutes to go it was a little bit ridiculous. It, it, it's clearly something he should have let go. And you, you hear that in baseball too where if a player walks away from home play, muttering about the umpire but he's not facing him he's not showing him up to the to the fans you let it go he's frustrated this was an 18 year old kid in a one goal game probably knowing that he made a mistake and he was letting off some steam and uncle hurt it and i think you're right if there were fans there he wouldn't have heard it that's one of those things that the german referees were talking about look in a normal game, you wouldn't hear that, so just pretend like you don't hear it now. And the other sounds, by the way, that the referees are told to, not to listen to, when bodies collide, uh, sometimes you'll hear the collision when you won't hear it in a stadium full of fans. And when you hear that, you think the collision is actually worse than it was, and you're supposed to use your eyes. Would I call that a foul in a in a game with uh, where the stadium is full, or do I call it a foul now only because I heard it louder? So, um, you know, the referees have had to make some transitions too, and maybe all of them aren't doing it, uh, you know, to the best of their ability. One other thing about that, we did ask, there was a written request sent to Ted Uncle after the game, delivered to him in the referee's locker room, asking for an explanation of what happened and why he he gave the second card. He did not respond. Uh, the, the MLS rules say he's supposed to. He did not respond to the pool reporter's request the Galaxy said afterward that they were told or they believed that the second yellow was for dissent, but they didn't know anything beyond that. Yeah, it's it's by the way, it wasn't classified as dissent um, whenever it was put up on the uh, on the MLS website, but that doesn't mean anything. Those are often not correct. Um, Dan Starris said uh, after the game uh, and he threw this in, by the way, I don't want anybody thinking I tried to get Dan Starris fined, by the way. Dan really wanted to talk about this. So so we talked about it. Um, he said uh, he was talking in, in, in another thread and he goes, which, by the way, that red card is ridiculous. This referee should not be allowing that to happen when a kid is fighting like that. Julian will learn his lesson and he'll understand he can't be saying things but he's got to know a little bit better the game he's in and what he's doing he's talking about uncle there at the end um and then i followed up and i said so do you know what that was for because we're kind of left in the dark and and dan says yes yeah. so i'm pretty sure he'll say it was dissent it was a second yellow he said something i don't even want to say it was at the referee it was towards him which is why i don't think there was a need to right away pull out the yellow when you know that kid's got a yellow i think the refs got to have a little more feeling of the game there and maybe give him a warning or understand he was just fighting and getting his jersey pulled as well. I think the ref's wrong. I think Jules is wrong too, and he'll learn his lesson. He's a young kid. That being said, too, I'll go to their second goal. And we haven't even talked about this, but uh, Asteris continues. He goes, I'll go to their second goal. And now that I've seen the replay, I don't think there's any way the ref can tell me it's a clear and obvious uh, that it's clear and obvious after he called an offside on the field. That was not. He, he 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 says that he was not offside. I think these refs had an absolute shocker. And that put the game over. Um, 
so that's 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 Starris sort of talking about it. Um, I think he gets fined for the uh, for the uh, the. I think these refs had an absolute shocker. I think that's what he gets fined for. I think he was. See, this good is this is where that. you need Salatan. You need this guy <laughs> with uh, millions of dollars uh, right? from his European days to pay all these fines for everybody. I, I was going to say uh, we don't know how much it is, and if he does, and he may not. You know, who knows? Maybe MLS is just going to let it slide this time. Uh, but Dan Starris being a captain in this particular case, Dan Starris was the captain on this, and he's he's talking about the second goal as well now. The LA Galaxy were already down to 10 men. Um, you know, there wasn't much. I don't think there was much hope of, of the Galaxy really coming back and trying to trying to earn anything on this. Um, but having said that, uh, the second goal was a question mark. I, I think that whenever I saw the replay and it was it was a goal that was scored um, and then it was waved offside immediately by the AR, which means there has to be clear and obvious, uh, you know, uh, uh, proof that it wasn't. Um, that it wasn't offside. Here's the problem. Uh, whenever, first of all, there's nothing you can't define clear and obvious, and that's what the referees have always sort of you know hit around there. It's like, how do you define clear and obvious? Well, like if you look at it and it's clear and obvious, it's like, well, that's to everybody. It's a different thing. Here's the problem: is that it wasn't the VAR official who said, "Hey, yeah, this looks like it's onside." Uh, he said, hey, center referee, this is probably pretty close. I'm guessing this is what he said. He goes, this is probably pretty close. I'm probably going to get say that he was onside. So why don't you take a look at it and we'll, we'll you can agree with me. And then uncle went over to the TV monitor and looked at it. But Kevin, if you have to go have somebody else take a look at it, if you have to say, hey, this is really close. Maybe what do you think? Is that clear and obvious? It's it's probably not, because if it was clear and obvious, you wouldn't be like, I don't know. Well, no, but but I think you're 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 conflating a few things. The, the center referee has to make that determination. The VAR official can say this is the most egregious uh, miscarriage of justice of all time. Clearly, this guy was on sides. Clearly, this is a goal. But the VAR official can't do anything. The center referee is in charge. Yeah, but, but v- that's but the the VAR official can sit there, and we've seen it where they don't they don't go to the monitor for every call. And they didn't have no. to go to the monitor for, for this call. So if the VAR says, this is the most egregious thing I've ever seen, he's clearly onside by 17 yards, and I don't know how he missed this, and the the, the center official can then say, okay, well, I accept you. If you're sure, I'm fine with it, and we'll go with it, and it's, it's a goal, and that's fine. But the fact that he didn't is either uncle saying, I want to take a look at it, right? Which is, you're telling me it's onside, but I want to take a look at it because I thought it was offside. It was definitely offside, and I don't think the the call... So now, again, you're getting out of the clear and obvious, aren't you? Well, yeah. Well, it. I mean, I don't know what Uncle saw. I don't know what... You know, he could have... It, it could be... Uh, although he took some time to make the decision, it could be a situation where he saw the play in real time and thought that it was a goal, thought it was clear and obvious to him, and once the VAR official said you should take a look at that, you know, Uncle could have said, "Yeah, I'm pretty sure the guy was onside." You know, I, it should be a good goal, because Uncle didn't come talk to us or, or or didn't answer anything from the pool reporters. We really don't know. Yeah. By the way, that was Scott French who turned in the question as a pool reporter. I'm also a pool reporter for uh, for Los Angeles in the Los Angeles area as well, so I can ask those questions. Scott came over and conferred with me. I said, "Yeah, let's ask. Let's see how it works." I have been arguing that. The um, and I've been trying to talk with the North American soccer reporters, of which Kevin. But and I by are, the way, I wouldn't answer a question from Scott French. I, I so yeah, I was. I'm on say, Ted's side I, with this I, one. I, I I kind of agree with that too. That's why I should have put my name on it. You know, that yeah, already makes it exactly. better. Um, no, it's uh, it's, you know what we should just put like um. I don't know, just like who's the flavor of the day, you know, just put some like supermodel's name on it or something. And then maybe he'll think it came from that then, person then and they would, he would answer. talk to him. Yeah. yeah. Justin Timberlake. We'll just sign everything. Justin Timberlake. How about that? Is he still cool or am I old? I'm getting old. No, in I, I, I guess I, you know, what about like, uh, um, um, Raquel yeah. Welsh. Is she still hot? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's definitely still in your wheelhouse. Good job. Sophia Loren. Yeah. I was going to say right in there. There's, she's. Yeah, yep. Absolutely. Um, no, Ava Longoria owns a soccer team now. That could be it. Maybe you could. Yeah. You anyway, could definitely. You we could digress. Do that. Um, we digest. But, but whenever you. Uh, I've been trying to get the, the North American soccer reporters to, to address this issue, which is the normal things that would happen would be I'd take a note and I'd give it to the PR people and the PR people would go down and they would hand it to the referees. And then usually to make sure that I could ask any follow-ups, 
I would stand outside the referee's locker room. Well, that can't happen right now, right? So we can't do that. So whenever I was standing there, I could almost, you could almost like not force, but you're, you're standing there and they know you're standing there. So it's a thing and they're going to answer the question, right? Um, but you can't do that right now. So I, really, we need a remote way of being able to do this stuff um, and to be able to ask questions. And there was a pull reporter question problem that we had on, in Portland as well that I tried to ask and we couldn't get it in basically because there were no pull reporters in Portland. And with the pandemic going on, there's not going to be pull reporters present at every single game. And so you need to be able to have pull reporters who are, who are there to be able to ask questions. Otherwise, fans don't know. Uh, the referees can't answer. And I'm sure Ted Uncle would, would refute what we're saying on here and say, these guys are morons. Here's what the problem was. And then we could have that. And he could write that and say, you guys are morons. Here's what the issue was. Um, well, there's no question that we're morons. Yes. But the, the bigger question is, does MLS really want this tra- transparency? And the question is, absolutely not. Or they'd make can happen it's not that hard to do they're they're using as a lot of sports leagues are they're using the pandemic as an excuse um you know to skirt uh things with the media to be you know not to be transparent not to explain themselves and they'll use the pandemic and i'm sure if you were to bring it up with the league office they would tell you it wasn't you know you couldn't come down there and violate his personal space uh even if you were masked because we can't do that and there's protocol and whatever else that's a tier two area and you're tier three all the media is tier three whatever that means yes um and so, again, it's, you know, yeah, you're absolutely right. Everything you're saying is right, um, including the fact that we're morons. But will MLS do anything about it? No. No, of course not. <laughs> no, you're, you're not wrong. Let me uh, let me wrap up this Colorado game a little bit. Um, I'll click off some more notes that I had. Um, you talked a little bit about Zubak. I, I mean, clearly getting Chicharito into the starting role is a better uh, match for the LA Galaxy than having Zubak up there. He's just, it, it is what it is. He's 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 not up to the level of Major League Soccer. Uh, you can see that. If you look at the physicality difference between Zubak, who is what, like 6'2", six, 6'3", and Julian Araujo, who is, um, I don't know, he's short. He's, what is he, 5'7", five, 5'8", five, five, something like that. Um, whenever you look at those two and you look at the physicality, how is it that Julian Araujo is way more physical than somebody as big as Zubak? Z- Julian Araujo put on weight and put on muscle, and now he's formidable. Zubak put on weight and muscle, Kevin, and it's really to stop from getting pushed around as much. And there's a difference in terms of how they use that physicality. Um, and y- you're seeing that. I mean, you see it, the difference between Efrain Alvarez and Julian Araujo. Um, you know, Julian Rajo is built right now as a footballer of, you know, this 21st century, um, which is speed and muscle and quickness and all the things that you expect from the smarts. Um, that's what you're expecting from these next level footballers. And you're not seeing that from the guys who are out on the field right now in terms of Zubak, in terms of Efrain Alvarez and the defensive liability that Alvarez is certainly put Araujo in a bunch of situations that got him in trouble. Um, and so you can look at that. Uh, I, again, I think the Galaxy created chances in this. I think they don't show up on the scoreline because they didn't take shots whenever it happened. I mean, the Galaxy got outshot 11-16, to 4-4 uh, to four on target for that. Uh, they didn't hold the uh, the uh, the possession battle. They lost that 55, basically 55-45. to 45. Um, And if you go look at the intervals, there were some times when Colorado, even before the red card, had you know significant amount, a significant amount of possession, um, and then after the red card, certainly uh, there was a lot more there. But I think that the the lack of of somebody like Legette or Kitchen or Corona getting into the offensive side of things made this too easy to, as you pointed out, Kevin, just mark Christian Pavone. Uh, Zubak wasn't going to beat you. He had one sort of point-blank shot that fell to him, but it was a good angle by the keeper. It was never going in. Um, you look at that, but Legette, Kitchen, and Corona, somebody has to step up on that midfield. Um, maybe not so much Kitchen, uh, but the other part of that is, let's talk about what happened whenever Jonathan Dos Santos and Chicharito came into this game. What do you think happened whenever Jonathan Dos Santos and Chicharito came into this game? Well, it didn't change the tenor of the game. Yeah. By the way, you have a huge man crush on Julian Araujo, and it's really obvious. It, it's, um, the kids going places, Kevin. Kids, kids, we're just here for the ride. We're we're good. in in five years. You and I are going to be like we remember when we covered Julian Araujo, and he's going to be at some team in Europe, and he's starting every game in, in like the English Premier League or in the Bundesliga, and we're going to be like, remember when that kid played for the LA Galaxy? They're like that kid played for the well, LA yeah. Galaxy. Keep his cell number. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He'll change it soon. I'm sure. And speaking of man crushes, um, my man crush not doing too well. Um, you mentioned Chicharito. He, he, the Galaxy are winless in the five games that he's played. Um, right. And they were. Uh, and then when he got hurt, they were unbeaten 
and uh, they lost the next game, and they were unbeaten in six in a row without him. So Chicharito was not making the difference he was brought here to make, and and Guillermo talked about that a little bit on Monday too. He said, obviously, we expect a little bit more. He's coming back from an injury. He didn't play in the last two months, but and sometimes you need some games to get better, but he said, we need to see something more out of him. Yeah, you, you need to see something more. And and by the way, that criticism should go to Jonathan Dos Santos as well. I thought the LA Galaxy uh, really took a step back whenever Jonathan came on as well. I, I don't see the best player on the LA Galaxy that we saw last year, which is, you know, as Jonathan Dos Santos goes, the LA Galaxy goes. We, we've been saying that for a while. Um I don't like to say this, but it feels, and, and I understand that Jonathan Dos Santos is coming back from an injury. I do. I've, I've watched. I've been paying attention. Uh, I usually know all the injuries and how the guys are doing. It's like people who are like, Chicharito has to start. I, he may start. Um, but I think asking him to go 60 minutes right now is about 20 minutes too long um, because he was pretty gassed after about 35 minutes, uh, and the Galaxy didn't have much of that, uh, much of the ball. And they're going to altitude now yep and they're going to altitude. it's 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 all around a bad thing but having watched this um going back to jonathan dos santos this feels like the jonathan dos santos that i watched whenever you know geo was on the team and i think we can all agree that when geo and jonah were on the same team that jonah wasn't the standout that he should be um so i'm hoping that that changes because i think the la galaxy relies so much on jonathan dos santos uh to be good and to be a captain of this team um, to come out there and do that. But what we're seeing so far between, you know, Jonathan Dos Santos and, and Chicharito right now, I, I'm going to give him, he still gets a TBD as far as I'm going to wait uh, to criticize. The the injury came back with really sort of, this made him, what, his third preseason this year. So he's still almost in preseason mode. But here in the next, you know, three or four or five games, you're going to find out whether or not he can play in Major League Soccer. If he can stay healthy, uh, we're, we're going to see. But if not, I mean, you're already, you're going to be in trouble if you're the LA Galaxy. Well, here's a couple of theories based on absolutely nothing. Just yes. pulling stuff out of my thin air here. Yes. Um, by the way, Chicharito has a shot on goal every 113 minutes. Um, not exactly what you want from your from your target striker. But um, first of all, this season is completely whacked, right? I mean, you had the it started out okay, then you had the the COVID, then you went to Florida for the tournament. Jonathan didn't go. Chicharito came home early. Um, that now you have these road trips where you have to do everything in one day. You're playing games without fans. I, I would imagine it's a extremely tough situation mentally for every player, and some players. Are mentally stronger than others and are, are going to be okay. Uh, others, um, for whatever reason, whatever part of it is, uh, bothers them. The no fans, the three preseason camps, you whatever. You know, you tend to. I, I think there are some players that sort of tend to get away from the discipline and the grindstone and and all that stuff that they're used to because. Either they, you know, in the case of both Jonathan and Chicharito, they were injured for so long, they were away from the, from the game. It wasn't part of their daily routine uh, necessarily as it had been before. And and I don't think either of these guys have had a lot of injury problems like, like uh, you know, Gio did. Mm -hmm. They haven't been injured a lot. They're not used to what you need to do mentally as well as physically to get back. And I think the mental part is, is the hardest. Maybe they've lost a little bit of that edge. I mean, I can definitely see that. And we did see that with Jonathan when Gio was here. Gio took him out of his game, got him away from his love of soccer. And and Chicharito talked about that. He's, he's playing and he's coming back because he loves the game. It doesn't look like that now. It doesn't look like, like Chicharito and Jonathan loved the game the way they did earlier. And I'm not saying that I've noticed anything or they've said anything, but, you know, uh, for Jonathan, especially to, to go from being that, you know, playmaking, dominating the game kind of captain to the guy that we saw against Colorado, there's something, there's something that's just not right. And I don't know what it is. And with Chicharito, you can sort of understand him. I mean, his wife's about to have their second baby. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sure and that's on his mind. Baby watch, I should say. You know, I keep checking. Uh, she posts on, on Instagram a lot. So I keep checking because uh, when she goes to have that baby, Chicharito's not going to be playing in whatever game that is that day. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that could happen this weekend. Uh, so we'll see if we'll see what happens. I mean, there it's it's any day now, it seems, uh, as they go. Continue. Sorry. So, I, I, yeah, so I don't want to I don't want it to come off as being critical. I, I don't mean it. I, it's, I mean it more as I'm, I'm just trying to grasp at straws for an explanation. But, you know, that to play a, a game like this at the top level, you know, there's a lot of people that can run faster than these guys and shoot harder and, and dribble as well. 
those are all great skills and they're all really good at it. But what sets a lot of these world-class athletes apart in every sport is the mental part of it. And when you lose that mental thing, when you sort of step out of line for just a second, it's really hard to get it back. And and for a player like Jonathan, especially, I think the mental part is a big, uh, a big, you know, part of his edge. And if he's lost a little bit of that for whatever reason, and you can really certainly, I mean, I, I don't think any of us would disagree with, it's got to be hard to play this year with all of the distractions and all the things going on. So, is that part of it? I don't know. We'll see. It doesn't seem to be physical, uh, although he doesn't seem to be extremely fit, and, right. and Chicharito doesn't seem to be extremely fit either. So, you know, uh, that could be a little bit of a part of it. Maybe it was hard to do their rehabs, you know, uh, given all the, the things that they have to go through with COVID. But there's some interesting thing before we get away from this too much. The, the Galaxy right now, remember we were talking when they were having this unbeaten streak and then the four-game winning streak, how good they looked and how um, you know they look like to be a, a team that might make a long playoff run. And that team is still there. You know the, Those players are still there, and they can still do that. But when you break down the stats, this really seems like a ho-hum kind of team. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you, the Galaxy are 2-2-0 at Dignity Health Sports Park. They're 2-2-3 on the road. They're not good on the road. They're not good at home. They've been shut out three times. They've pitched three shutouts of their own. I mean, it's just sort of this team that is is there, and they play good on occasion, but it just really seems like a kind of 500, um, don't really know what you're going to get on any given day kind of team. Yeah, I, I, I sort of I asked the question on the Discord was, um, which LA Galaxy team is the real LA Galaxy team? Basically, I said, to the real LA Galaxy team, please stand up. Is it the team you saw at the MLS's back tournament, Kevin? Or is it the team that you saw win off, you know, go uh, run off four wins in a row and played six unbeaten? Which one of those teams is the is the correct LA Galaxy team? And, uh, and, and but, excuse me. No, I, go ahead. But and going forward, they're going to play 12 games um, in 50 days, I believe it is, starting on – they have 12 games left starting on Wednesday. Um, and they play Real Salt Lake. But what's the, the new schedule is going to be announced probably Tuesday, maybe Wednesday. Correct. Uh, I don't know if they're going to announce all the, the next 12 games. But the Galaxy do have Seattle at home on Sunday. We know that. They have a game in hand. They have to play Seattle for the makeup of the of the postponed game. So they have Seattle twice at home. You know they're going to have to make a trip to Seattle. So they've right. got Seattle three times, and we know one of these final 12 games is going to be against LAFC. Correct. So that's a quarter of their final games are against the defending MLS champ, who some people think are the best team in the league, and last year's number one team, who laughingly, uh, uh, Nate Silver's 538 says, uh, have the best chance of winning MLS Cup. And I don't know where that one comes from. Right. But um, – uh, anyway, they play LAFC, which is always going to be a tough game, no matter what the records are. Yeah, let's get to that because it was uh, interesting. Uh, Five thirty-eight projected projected the supporters' shield chances. Columbus Crew, uh, who Kevin and I have talked about, are, are a good team, um, but have had played a pretty pretty weak schedule. Uh, they have a fifty-four percent chance of of winning the supporters' shield. Philadelphia Union fifteen percent, Seattle Sounders six percent, Toronto FC six percent. LAFC 5% um, on that. Those are the top five. And then they projected the MLS Cup chances. Uh, the team with the best chance of winning an MLS Cup, according to 538, is LAFC with 13%, Columbus Crew with 12%, Philadelphia Union with 11 Seattle Sounders 9 uh, Toronto FC 8%, the LA Galaxy are 6th in that with 6%, uh, just in case you wanted to know uh, where, those, uh, where those teams landed. And they were talking about a percentage to make the playoffs as well. Uh, let's see. The LA Galaxy stand at a 90% chance to make the playoffs. That kind of makes sense when there are 12 teams in the Western Conference and eight of those teams will go on. Uh, you already start with basically a 66% chance of doing it just by you know straight math without any fancy formulas. Uh, 90% chance to make the playoffs for the LA Galaxy. 3% chance to win the Supporter Shield, and again, 6% chance to win MLS Cup. Just to sort of keep your eye. I don't. I can't. I can't figure any of those out. None of that makes sense to me, nor does it make sense that the LA galaxy are the sixth best team in major league soccer to the point where they might, they have a 6% chance, um, you know, of winning MLS cup. Um, you know, that's the sixth best chance along with New York city FC. Uh, so I think that if you're trying to look at any of these models, Kevin, they're not COVID proof in terms of, they're not going to do a a really good job of predicting in a shortened season, uh, what's going to happen a shortened season with expanded playoffs, by the way. Um, um, so however you see that and however you sort of put that together, um, it's not it's not making a whole bunch of sense to me. So uh, that's that we wanted to throw those out there because I got a good laugh out of it whenever I read it. So, um, you know, watch it will end up being 100 percent right. But at least for now, we're saying that's a bunch of malarkey. So you don't have to pay any attention to it. Um, but I mean, you're right, though, about the here's this Galaxy team shut out LAFC twice in what, three, three games, three mm-hmm. or three weeks. 
and then turn around and lose to Colorado, a team that uh, you know had just had their most one-sided loss of the season and had just traded their leading scorer. So again, you could see this Galaxy team showing up and playing as good as anybody in the league, and you could also see them lay a giant egg and the playoffs are going to come really fast. It's going to be uh, at least two games a week, and it's going to be single elimination. So um, if the Galaxy don't show up to play every single time, they could get eliminated by a very soft team if they make the playoffs. And I, I agree with you. I, I think it's pretty much uh, a given that they're going to make, at least make the playoffs. Oh, they could mess it up, Kevin. I mean, I'm not putting they it could. by them they to could. mess it up. I'm just saying that, yeah, it's probably likely. Yanni, um, Gonz- Yanni Gonzalez is here. I was going to say he is here. He is in the United States. Uh, just confirmed with the LA Galaxy before we came uh, on the air here to record this. Um, here's the interesting thing. He will have to go through some quarters quarantine period. We haven't found out how long that is, uh, but there is a possibility that he could be available to play on Sunday. Uh, I think that that might be a stretch in terms of him getting ready because I don't think he was playing uh, Kevin, so uh, down in Brazil. So if he's not playing uh, and he hasn't been training and he's been sitting waiting to come into the United States like everybody, then he's not necessarily going to be ready to play against Seattle on Sunday. But having said that, the Galaxy really do need him because uh, F. Ryan Alvarez can't be a starter at right, right wing, especially when he spends, you know, 50% of the time running into the 10 spot in the center of the field and Sebastian Legette and him are like look staring at each other like, hi, how's it going? Nice to see you. Um, there was no right wing for large portions of that game against Colorado. So, you know, it gets condensed and Colorado did a good job. So Efrain Alvarez can't be the starter there. Yona Gonzalez has to be the starter there and that allows you to put Julian Araujo back behind him. And to me, that's a much improved LA Galaxy team if Yoni Gonzalez is 70, 75% of what we sort of expect him to be. Well, and you, I think he can play both wings, right? He can, he can. So you could technically- have to move over Someone is going to have to move over to the left wing when Pavone goes off on international duty. Yeah, I mean, and that's the other side of this is Christian Pavone was named to the Argentina preliminary roster. Now, it doesn't mean he's definitely going, but I think the chances are that, that Christian Pavone will go. And and Comable down in uh, down in South America is playing uh, World Cup qualifiers. This is not you know just some friendly. This is a World Cup qualifier, so it's an actual qualifier. The other person uh, on the list right now, I think, on prelim rosters is Rolf Felcher. Um, so that's sort of for where, Venezuela. Yeah, for Venezuela. So he's also playing in uh, in qualifiers. Um, Jonathan Dos Santos, we had talked about uh, people, Gonzalez, Efrain and Alvarez, all possibilities in terms of getting called up. They're just not going to get called up this window. Uh, what, what's the whole deal with that, Kevin? It's in Mexico's. Well, yeah, go ahead. Mexico's first game with Costa Rica, which is where people Gonzalez might be called up. It, that is a friendly. It's not in a, in a FIFA window. Teams will not um, or, or do not have to give up their players. And I don't think the galaxy would want to give up. Uh, any of their players at this point um, that Mexico does play a second game. I don't know what happens to Costa Rica, but Mexico does play a second game October 7th. That isn't a FIFA window. That's in the Netherlands. I don't see why. Me- so the Mexican team basically is all a, a Liga MX team. The Costa Rican team is all, you know, domestic players. I, I don't see why Mexico would, would want to call up an entire second team. You know, they can do that. They can call up some players. I don't think they call up Jonah. I don't think they call up Chicharito. They've both been hurt. Um, Uriel Antuna, by the way, did get called up, mm-hmm. and he's playing in Liga MX, so he's going to be a big part of that team. Um, and, you, and you mentioned uh, Efrain, and it was interesting because I had tweeted out something about um, you know Chicharito and Jonah not getting called up. I knew they, they weren't really technically eligible to be called up, but I just thought I'd mention the fact that they were not called up just to prevent people from asking me, what happened to Jonah? What happened to Chicharito? Well, they didn't get called up. Anyway, I got a response from someone who's very close to the Mexican Association that said, don't forget, when you do that next time, don't forget to mention what happened to Efrain Alvarez. Um, it, it just kind of came out of the blue. And what it means to me is that Efrain Alvarez, um, despite your criticisms, are yes. apparently on, on the, is getting a good look from the Mexican national team. I don't believe he's cap tied to the senior national team so maybe one of these games that are not a friendly that it would be a competitive match coming up next year maybe they do call them up run them out on the field and get them cap tied so that uh, the u.s doesn't come poaching if they decide to go after him yeah it, uh, it very well could be uh the international dates coming up in october and november uh from the fifa calendar i saw so um just sort of keep those in mind of uh, of all the players the la galaxy could lose and then there's some bigger questions than even just these guys disappearing for a little while. Um, and, you know, MLS is not going to abide by any international break right now just because uh, they need to play as many games as they well, possibly they, can. But they will in November. There is a, a break for the international window between the end of the regular season, November 8th, and the start of the playoffs on the 20th. And so if, if Pavone gets called up again, he's he technically would not miss the playoff dates, although where you're going with this, he could miss the playoff game. Yeah, and that's sort of the thing is the... Um, 
we don't know how long players would have to quarantine when they came back, right? We know that Yoni Gonzalez is going to have to quarantine. Don't know how many days that is. Uh, maybe it's only like five and there's a whole bunch of testing you have to do and some other things. Um, but the bottom line is that you could miss stuff and, and we really don't have an idea of what that schedule is. So it's something to keep an eye on um, as we move closer to the playoffs, as we move closer to these international dates, just to watch how quickly these guys are allowed to re-enter and come back into the team. Um, because really they're creating these teams as bubbles. And when you go out and you're playing with a different team, then you've broken that bubble. As you come back, you have to be introduced back into that bubble very slowly. Um, so that way you're made sure not to infect anybody. If you, for somehow you got it picked up, uh, go ahead. The window may not be huge because I talked to Mark Dos Santos, the Vancouver Whitecaps coach today. Um, you know, the, the Canadian teams have all had to move to the United States because there is a, um, a, uh, whatever embargo on on non-essential travel across the U.S. and Canadian and U.S.-Mexican borders, by the way. Um, and so when the Canadian teams moved down here to continue their season, they had to go through a quarantine. And if I understood Mark Dos Santos correctly, it was about two days. Uh-huh. So it doesn't, I mean, it, it, it may I don't not know have to be super long. Yeah, and, and I don't know how they decide. Now, if, you know, and, and it could be, it, I mean, this could be really interesting. Let's say Pavone goes and plays in Argentina, and the U.S. government says Argentina's fine. They don't have a lot of cases. And then the second game is in, uh, I don't know, uh, Bolivia. And they say, oh, Bolivia's a real hot spot. You know, he went to Bolivia. Now it's a week or two weeks. Right. I mean, I, I could definitely see that happening where the Argentina's fine. Come on right back in. No, no quarantine. And, oh, the second place you went to, yeah, you got to quarantine. Well, the uh, the other part of uh, this craziness that's going on with COVID right now is is the travel and just the regular travel, right? That the these teams are doing the LA Galaxy traveling to Real Salt Lake. So, uh, goalkeeper David Bingham was available for media availability today. Um, so, I wanted to ask him now that they've been on a couple of trips and sort of seen how it went. Um, you know, so tell me about the travel and I, you know. I'll be honest, Bingham sometimes doesn't want to talk very much. He he answers questions and they're really short and that type of thing. Uh, he wanted to talk today and, and that was a good thing because I think he provided some real insight into um, the, the travel hardships that are sort of uh, going through the LA Galaxy. Here's here's his day as he, as he laid it out. He goes, our first travel day was a, was a tough one. It was about 22 hours. We were away. That was to Portland. It was the Port- Portland game. Yeah, it was the Portland game. Uh, it was about 22 hours. We were away by the time I got home. We show up at the stadium between 8 and 9 a.m. usually bus to the airport, get to the airport about an hour later. It takes about an hour and a half to get on a charter and get out of here. We land at wherever we're playing, go straight to the hotel, have a snack, go to your room for a little bit, have a pregame meal, back to the room, then we go to the stadium, play the game, then it's straight back to the airport and fly home. It's a long day. It takes a toll on your body, especially after the game. You don't really want, don't really get what you need to get the regen going right away. But at the end of the day, every team's doing the exact same thing. It is what it is this year. Some trips are harder than others, but it's no excuse for the 90 minutes on the field. You've got to go there and you've got to perform. Um, so I followed up a little bit with him on that. And I said, you know, I, I know you're on charter flights, um, but, you know, how does that compare to the commercial flights that you have been taking? Does that make it any easier? And he says, going on a charter flight compared to a commercial flight is night and day. Going on a commercial flight is the worst situation for a pro athlete, to be honest. In regards to sleeping after the game, because I asked him, I go, you know, uh, so after the game, your guys are on the fl- on the plane. Do you do you just go and you know take naps on the on the way home so that way you can at least get some rest? And he says, uh, in regards to sleeping after the game, I don't think any player can sleep after the game. You're up to three, four, five in the morning, regardless. That's actually kind of that actually kind of works out with the schedule because you're usually landing around two or three a.m. depending where we're coming from. It's a long day, but the exciting uh, but the exciting thing is you get to play games plus. The way this year is going, playing games is the most important thing and the most fun as well. It kind of makes it all worth it. So uh, I thought that was an interesting little uh, little peelback from from David Bingham to talk about how difficult this. And and he's not making excuses. He's just telling you how it is. I mean, I've already had people call David Bingham soft, and if you say that to me and I'm near you, I'll probably slap you across the face. Um, that's this his definition of what that just went through is just that's that's honesty right there. That's what honesty sounds like. If you don't want to hear that, then you know plug your ears and hum while while he goes on. But that's just honest. That's tough. I mean, Kevin, rarely do you have to stay up for twenty two hours whenever you're writing a story. Oh, sometimes it's, it's I have to stay up for twenty two hours because I can't think of anything. <laughs> yes, but, that would be it too. Um, Mark Dos Santos again talking to him, and they come down and play LAFC tomorrow. And and for people who don't know, just briefly. 
the Canadian can, teams coming down here are really getting screwed because they're uh, they're away from their families. They're uh, you know, and people are going to say, "Oh, well, they're soft." No, they're not. I mean, think about this: they're away from their families, they're away from their routines. Um, uh, he said that the Mark Dos Santos said that they have their own hotel in Portland, which sounds sweet, but he said it's kind of like the hotel in The Shining. They're the only ones that are there, um, and you know, they go off and train at the University of Portland. It's not their home locker room. It's not their home facility. What's even worse is the Canadian teams in this phase two, they play three games in the United States. And I thought they might, there was hope from MLS. They might go back. Mark Dos Santos made it pretty clear today that the Canadian teams are here for the rest of the regular season, which for them, but in this phase two, the Canadian teams get two home game or two road games and a home game, a home game, meaning home where they are. And, and uh, Vancouver's home is Portland. Guess who they play for their home game. They play the Timbers at Providence park. Um, which is the Timbers home stadium, yet it's called a Vancouver home game. But uh, more germane to, the, to uh, Bingham's point, he said, yeah, our, our guys are going to get up at 7.30 on Wednesday morning, and we're going to play the game at 7.30. And yeah, we have a lot to do between that. We have to go to the airport. We have to fly down. We have to get on a bus. We have to go to the hotel. We have to, you know, like Bingham said, snack, t- take a nap, all that. But they have to physically be awake 12 hours before the game. Now, if it was a home game, um, or if they traveled the day before, they would have that time to sleep in. They could take a nap. Um, you know, if it's a home game, they could, uh, you know, walk their kid to school, take the dog for a walk, do all these things that, that they would normally do to get their mind off the game. Instead, they're basically just sitting there staring at a clock for 12 hours waiting for the game to start. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a tough trick right now, uh, whether Canadian or uh, or in this case, the LA Galaxy having to go to RSL. Now, the, the interesting thing about RSL, though. Kevin is that there will be fans in attendance. In fact, I know there are many galaxy fans. There are many galaxy fans who will be going there as well. So uh, my only thing is uh, just remind everybody: be careful. Don't catch the Rona. Um, So so be careful. Um, Keep your distance. Uh, Don't sit with people you don't know. Um, that type of thing and, and enjoy it if you can um, you know if you're able to go enjoy it because I'm here to tell you from somebody who does get to watch live soccer it's it's wonderful to watch live soccer uh, and you being there is, is going to be fun but just please but, be careful you know yeah you're absolutely right you know wear a mask don't yeah. get into this thing where you don't have to wear a mask and all oh, the people in Salt Lake aren't wearing one well you're not in Salt Lake you come from California That's wear right. a mask um, <laughs> because you're going to infect us when you come back here but I, I, you know I found that that the Galaxy supporters were able to get tickets I found that so strange I, I found it wonderful and you know it, incredible but you know that's a 20,500 seat stadium and I think they're limited to 5,000 Five. so about yep. a quarter yeah about quarter capacity um, clearly they have more than 5,000 season ticket holders so which people and uh, were there people that maybe were just scared of COVID or whatever, and, and fifteen thousand people decided I'm not going to go to the game, and then there were tickets available for supporters traveling in from out of town. I mean, that would seem to me to be the ultimate home field advantage that every spectator in the in the in the crowd, even though right. it's limited, is cheering for the home team. But instead, it sounds like there's going to be a sizable um, group of Galaxy supporters. Now they won't all be sitting together. But, you know, they will be there. And it just, uh, how did we all saw Lake let that happen? Yeah, let me name drop again. I name dropped on Thursday, so let's name drop again. Having talked to my good friend Brian Dunseth, um, he said that, uh, you know, they hadn't even hit their cap on any of those games yet. So they didn't even get 5,000 at any of the games that they played so far. Um, and I imagine that they're probably won't hit their cap again. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if if it's LA Galaxy. He said that, I, I think, whenever, uh, whenever LAFC uh, went to play RSL, um, is that the game that got postponed? Yeah, and then they went back, though. They had to make two trips in two weeks. Uh, we all saw it like to play one game. So they came back. Apparently, there were some LAFC fans in the in the stadium. So he said he had noticed that. So I asked, I, I kind of got the lay of the land from from Dunny on, on how that was going. So anyway, um, that game's well, coming. Well, let, yeah. let me go back to that point, then. I'm going to get on my anti-COVID soapbox again. Um, again, what is MLS doing? I mean, bringing in 5,000 fans... If they're they're not even hitting their capacity on that, I think that says that there's a lot of fans that don't want to go. So they, why are we forcing this? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that they're forcing it. I mean, so the the counter argument to that is Kevin that they're not hitting their capacity, so there's probably not that yeah, there's probably not that much of a of a danger there. Again, being outside is you know less of an issue than a lot of things. Um, and and I'm I'm perfectly willing to say that. I'm just saying be careful. We I always talk about managing the risk. This is one of those things where you have to manage the risk. I drove through Utah in order to go get my son from Colorado. 
Uh, that was a risk. Uh, I will tell you that places in Utah, it's like they never heard of COVID. So that was that was one of the things. Places in Arizona, places in Las Vegas, whenever I drove through Las Vegas, same thing. So so there are those places and you have to be careful of those. So as you're on your road trip, you know, be careful. But at well, the same time, if you're going, then, you know, go have fun. Just do it responsibly. It's just here, like anything. Here's a tip I got from a doctor when I had to go back for MLS's back tournament. Um, he said, use an N95 mask, which I did. Um, I, and then I got, um, you know, to, to, to stay hydrated on that drink, uh, on that trip to drink, I got like a thermos that had a straw in it. So I could put, actually put the straw under the N95 mask. I didn't have to take the mask off to drink. Didn't eat anything on the plane. And probably the biggest thing I did is I was able, because the, the airfare was so cheap, I was able to buy the middle seat. Uh, it was on United and they were not blocking middle seats at that point. So I bought two seats. So I wound up having a spare seat. Northwest is not selling the middle seat now. They're only filling planes to two-third capacity. So, um, you know, it. I, I think we know now if you're going to be at an outdoor stadium, the most dangerous part of your trip is in the airplane and probably in the airport terminal. And that's where you need to be really, really careful. So if you can get on a, on a Southwest plane or if you can afford to buy the middle seat next to you, keep the mask on the whole trip, try to sleep. Um, and then be careful in the airport terminal, which when I went was empty anyways. But um, that seems to be the dangerous place because you're in there for two, two and a half hours and it's indoors and you can't go outside and everything's hermetically sealed. So that's where the danger really comes. Be careful. Driving, flying, however it is, be careful. Uh, LA Galaxy. Take, take yeah. a train. Take, take a, a train. train. I don't know. that You can probably take a train. That's yeah, probably terrible, though. It's probably it's it's long. Let's put it that way. It's definitely a long time. Um, LA Galaxy travel to Real Salt Lake 630 p.m. Uh, this game on Spectrum Sportsnet. Uh, find your streams accordingly uh, because there's no way that Spectrum is going to make this game suddenly available to people online. Like they could probably be making five or six dollars a month from everybody, but they don't want to do that. And they probably have carriage agreements that don't allow them to do that. There's all sorts of contractual stuff that get in the way of doing what you think as fans they should should do um, maybe they should figure out ways around that but they're not going to in the Gala galaxy don't want to give rid of their last 10 million dollars from spectrum sports net so makes sense to me um rsl has just one win in their last six games kevin they lost five to nothing to colorado and two to one to vancouver in their last two games uh larry morgan uh, did a great job on a write-up on corner of the galaxy so you can check that out we got quotes from gbs and uh and david bingham in there uh kyle beckerman is suspended for this game julian araujo is suspended for this game both got two yellows and a red um so that's one of those things that you sort of have to watch and then just a little reminder that uh julian araujo is on yellow card warning as well uh unless i'm told otherwise so whenever he comes back for the game on sunday against Seattle um, it'll be uh, be interesting to see if he still has four yellow cards and then if he does he could be suspended for the game after that if he picks up a yellow card in that game so just sort of keep your eye on that but Kevin uh, this is the uh, this is one of those weeks where they they're busy there could be some rotation um, we sort of hinted and talked about Chicharito and, and Jonathan Dos Santos possibly being in the starting lineup it's time that they come back and do that but um, do you expect to get more than 60 minutes out of either of them if you do that? And would you rather have them come off the bench or, or, or starting the more important thing right now? Well, um, they got to get a start at some point. Um, but maybe at altitude is not the, the time to do that. They need to start getting in this rotation, though, because it's going to it's going to be, you know, three games every eight days the rest of the way. Um, and they're going to have to it, you said, you know, as you said, they're going to have to start rotating players and the team is just not deep enough. They're going to have to be part of that rotation. Um, maybe this would not be the game to start them, but uh, certainly by by Seattle, I think they need to be, uh, you know, in the position where they're going to go at least sixty minutes. You know, that Katai sixty minutes, at least that, and uh, uh, if not a little bit further. They did play. You know, they did play uh, their longest. I think this was both of them. It's their longest stint since they've been back. So they are building up to it. But I think the altitude. The thing is, is when you start a guy, then then you you know, and you sub him out. Um, you're kind of blowing a substitute where if you you wait and bring them in at the end of the game, uh, sometimes it works a little bit better. At some point, these guys are going to have to start playing some deeper minutes, though. Yeah, I think it's either RSL or Seattle, and it just sort of depends on how it is. It's it's all hands on deck. Uh, everybody, the, the big question mark at right back is whether uh, Rolf Felcher will be available and played or whether it's going to be People Gonzalez playing back there or, or some other combination of, uh, of, of lineups that sort of go against Real Salt Lake. Um, RSL can be a good team. They're not playing well right now. And certainly that organization is just in complete shambles and turmoil. 
um, in terms of the upper level management, both on the men's and women's side. Um, all that stuff is is super crazy over there right now with them looking for new ownership. And um, I don't know. Did you see the women's coaches um, weren't on the sideline all of a sudden? Yeah, they had a, like a player coach. Yeah, they had a player coach and like the, the head coach and the assistant coach were, were all of a sudden they were taking a leave of absence. So like I said, uh, there's a lot of just sort of train wreck stuff going on uh, with the whole uh, Real Salt Lake and uh, the men's and women's side uh, of things. So whether or not that's affecting things on the field, well, we should find out. Um, well, but yeah, go ahead. You know, re- remember where this all started. And, it, you, you know, people say, well, you got to make big grand gestures to get any change done. It really started with, uh, forget what happened in the rest of MLS, with LAFC coming to the stadium and telling Real Salt Lake, we're not going to play this game. And Real Salt Lake said, hey, that was our thought too. Let's not play this game. That led to the whole thing with the owner going on the radio station, making a lot of inappropriate comments, MLS stepping in, saying we're going to investigate you, and the National Women's Soccer League saying, hey, you have a women's team too. Maybe we'll do an investigation. The owner owner quits. Now it's led to all of this stuff. It's just been a snowball. And it all started with one simple gesture uh, of the players deciding to take a stand for, uh, you know, against racial injustice and misogyny and all the things that go with that. And look at the changes that it's made. And, and it's a really tough period for RSL right now. But they're going to come uh, out on the other end much better yeah. and uh, much cleaner. And it all started with a relatively simple but brave gesture. Yeah, it was. Uh, Atlanta and Miami, I think, weren't they the first game that they decided then? And then it, yeah, it snowballed and they were actually that. on the field warming up yep. when the captains of the two teams got together and said, you know what, maybe this is not a good idea. Uh, and then I think it was Colorado was at Dallas. They were next, and it, it just did kind of snowball. The only game that was actually played was Nashville. Uh, Nashville and Orlando City. Yes, that was it. Yep, that was the one, Nashville and Orlando City. So uh, that's what we have. So uh, Galaxy playing Real Salt Lake on Wednesday night, 6.30 p.m. on Spectrum Sports. Net. Uh, again, all these games recently are going to be on Spectrum Sportsnet. The game on Sunday, September 27th, Seattle Sounders uh, coming to Dignity Health Sports Park at 7.30 p.m. Uh, the game as well on Spectrum Sportsnet. So just a heads up. Uh, one other heads up uh, for everybody wondering if the LA Galaxy are going to bring in any more players in this transfer window. The transfer window itself extends all the way through Thursday, October 29th. There's still plenty of time if they were going to do that. So Nothing is in set in stone so far. Uh, still plenty of times to make some, some changes. And with the LA Galaxy looking at all the games that they're going to be playing, perhaps there is one of these late transfer window additions, um, whether it's temporary sort of like Yoni with a, with an option to buy, but a pretty short loan period to evaluate them on, um, or whether it's a full-out purchase we'll have to sort of keep our eyes on. But I'll say so far the rumors that have come up have sort of gone quiet pretty quickly after they've come up. Usually that means one of two things is that it's not happening and that it was just sort of a false flag. Um, and then the other thing that could be is that it just gets bogged down in paperwork, and so it takes a while for everything to sort of be flushed out. So, well, wh- wh- yeah. where would you? I mean, there's, there's limited resources, yes. and the Galaxy have spent a lot already, and they need to marshal their resources because they're going to have to spend to keep Pavone. But I mean, I, I'm not saying this is a complete team, but where would you add? I mean, you, second you striker, get, second striker, second, yeah. but you, you know. Iguain looked like the guy they were going to get. I wouldn't consider him a second striker. He might no. be the primary striker on this team. But um, Iguain is gone. I mean, they're not going to get uh, Suarez. Or Cristiano Ronaldo is not coming now. I mean, it, it just seems to be a limited market. Maybe there's guys out there that we don't know about right now that could surface. But, um, you know, the team, se- it doesn't seem like you need to blow this team up. If the team plays the way it's supposed to play, the way it did during that four-game winning streak, um, they could make a run in the MLS playoffs. I don't think right now it's an MLS Cup championship team, but I think it could do some damage in the playoffs. And who knows? Once you get there, uh, you know anything can happen. Um, I, I'm just not sure that this would be a team that I would blow up and, and blow all my money on when you know you're going to need it. Maybe to keep Yanni, definitely to keep Pavone. Uh, and you've still got to play, pay Dos Santos and Chicharito. Even if you don't want them, they're still under contract for another couple of years. Yeah, it'll be. Well, I mean, Jonathan's contract technically, shouldn't it be up soon? Isn't that he was on like some sort of five year contract? And isn't that up? Yeah, like, in the- every time every time we ask him, it, it, it's been extended another three years. Yes. And I'm not quite sure how that happens. Yeah, the Galaxy haven't announced any extensions. So maybe he was just on a rolling three year. Um, I, have no, I have no idea. I don't I, I pretend to know these things. Uh, most of the time we don't know even when we ask. So. Uh, all right, I think that's it. Anything else you wanted to cover before we uh, get out of here? You're going to go watch the game Wednesday at Araujo's house, huh? No, no, <laughs> I don't. No, no, no. I mean, if he wants me to come up, no, there has to be social distancing, Kevin. That's not allowed. All right, so you know, I, I'll, I'll I'll leave him alone. No, he's uh, he, I guarantee he'll be watching from home and he'll be just as amped up. 
uh, if he was on the field. If, Can you uh, get a yellow card in your own house? You might be able to. You might be able to. I'm sure. Maybe he'll be on Twitter during the game. Maybe that'll be the fun thing. Maybe yeah, Ted yeah, Uncle from Florida. Yellow yeah, card. Yeah, yellow card on Twitter. That's how it'll go. So, uh, be interesting. But yeah, Galaxy Qu- uh, Fast and Furious here. Another uh, show on Thursday night. We'll get you uh, recapped on Utah or the RSL game, and then uh, looking ahead to that Seattle game on Sunday. So still a lot. And you'll of stuff have the schedule out. by then. You you'll should. The Don't just say should because you know what happens. Yeah. Uh, whenever we don't, that's why, first of all, we we're pretty sure it's coming out on Tuesday because we record on Monday night. Um, so it's definitely coming out Tuesday to make our podcast seem, you know, irrelevant. Um, that, that would happen. Or the other part of that is if we guarantee it'll come out on Tuesday, it won't be released this week. It'll be released like on Sunday, right before they play their final game. Well, here's my predictions. There's at least three games with Seattle, another one with LAFC. I bet you they have uh, one with Vancouver. There's another one with Colorado. We all saw Lake will come here. Right. That's that's a big part of this, and then there'll be another Portland game. That's a big part of the schedule. Yeah, you have. You, I think you have most of them. Uh, most of them are correct. So uh, we'll see how it goes. All right. Uh, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at kbaxter11. Head on over to the LA Times, where all of Ke- where Kevin writes all of his wonderful articles. Even wrote an article about Ted Lasso. Go look it up. Kevin, tweet that out so where people can find it. I'll, I'll make him do it. Uh, but head on over to the LA Times, and uh, you can follow Kevin uh, talking about soccer in Southern California and around the United States. So a lot of stuff coming up. He's going to be busy. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at Jay Gessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. CornerTheGalaxy.com is where you can find all of our articles, all of our uh, podcasts, all of our stuff is right there, CornerTheGalaxy.com. All right, that does it. Uh, LA Galaxy, RSL, 6.30 p.m. on a Wednesday night, so make sure you're watching Spectrum Sportsnet. For Mr. Kevin, the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Pato Gessman. You've been listening to Corner the Galaxy from the box on CornerTheGalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening. And we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo. And on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.